Hello and welcome to another episode of Create Collaborate. This week's guest, Christopher Tallon, is the author of his first and forthcoming novel, which will be out on the 3rd of June, less than a month from now, titled Switchers. One reviewer described it as a romping adventure through time that puts a group of friends in a tough situation where they encounter their future selves in a battle for their lives. You might be reminded of Back to the Future and wonder if this will cause a time paradox that destroys the very fabric of the universe, but you'll have to buy your copy and read to find out. If, after you finish listening to this episode, you wish it would have been four hours longer, well, I have good news for you. You can check out Chris's podcast, Creative Ops, and listen to him for many hours still to come. He interviews creative people from all walks of lives. From lives? From all walks of life. Winemakers to comedians to bloggers to jazz musicians and many more. Please check that out. I'll have links to pre-order his book as well as his podcast and blog in my show notes. But before I get you to the episode, I want to ask you, don't rate and review this show. However, do follow it. If you love what we're doing, that's the best way to make sure you catch every single episode. I'll always give you that core Wednesday show like today, but sometimes I'll put one out on Monday or Tuesday or Thursday or Friday. It's pretty safe to say I don't like Sunday shows. And most importantly of all, if you like what I'm doing and you're following this show and you're tuning in, you've got creative friends who can benefit from hearing marketing tips and mindset lifts from the episodes that we're putting out. This could be the difference between finishing a book and selling it and giving up. So please share it with a friend who could use the encouragement and the insight. You won't regret it and neither will they. Thank you so much. Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Christopher Tallon. Welcome to Create Collaborate, the show for creative writers aspiring to publish their first book. My name is Jody Sperling, and I'm determined to help you whether you self-publish or storm the gated walls of agents and editors. Today, you'll be hearing from an industry expert on how they made the leap from unpublished to published and how you can do it too. I've never really been the, the step in line, do things the way you're supposed to guy going back to, you know, middle school. So I think uh, more than anything, I just kind of want to do things the way that feels right and then build on that, you know, as I go. But uh, I've heard a lot of the things that you had talked about, like really focusing in and thinking about a specific age group and, you know, what people, how people write to that age group, what that age group thinks about and stuff like that. But uh, I'm just too stubborn and I want to write a story that I would like and share it with anybody that I think might like it. You know what I mean? When I, when I started my podcast, you know, I had this, I had this idea. I wanted to have people come and tell their story for the first time ever. And then do kind of like the voice, like that format, you know, that show where they, yeah. they have the voice and people vote on it. So I was like, my listeners will vote on the story. And then this has <laughs> never been written before. And we'll publish this book and it'll be so cool. Nobody wants to do that. So yeah. 
in chaos mode, I was like, I'll just bring on anybody who's interesting. So I interviewed uh, Steven Sashin. He was the CEO of a really cool shoe company. And I interviewed mm-hmm. my doppelganger, Jody Sperling. Uh, and she's the time-lapse dancer in New York. And I was like, this is awesome. These <laughs> interviews are compelling. These are really big people. And I was looking at my listens and I was like, this is not working. People are not interested in the show. And I'm hitting these Facebook groups and I'm going all out trying to get people interested in my show and listening to my show. And every week I get some action, but then they come back the next week and they're like, well, last week was a show about dancing. And now this week's a show about shoes. I don't know what the hell you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, my my numbers go up and down that same way just based on, you know, the, I guess, the overall popularity of a person or what they do. But sometimes they surprise me, too. But, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, the first I was just talking to uh, to my buddy Kirk over there uh, about it a minute ago. I think the first year, it wasn't a full year, but the first year of my podcast, I got about 100 downloads less than I did in December of last year. Wow. So... so it's a, it's a slow game and it's one that you, you build on. And that's something that I, you know, think about going into the book space too, is that, you know, it's one book and mm-hmm. hopefully I've got more than that in me. So even if this one doesn't do great, you know, the next one might get traction and then people go, oh, he's got another book, you know, and I'm not calling myself John Grisham by any means, but that's, <laughs> that's what happened to him. He said he couldn't give his first book away mm-hmm. and then his second book came out and then all of a second, his first book, people were, you know. Uh, bidding for the movie rights. Such a weird thing. It's weird how lightning strikes and you can't really describe it. It's interesting to mention John Grisham because he he kind of fits the, the model that I've switched over to, which is uh, write very specifically about a thing. And that's how he started out writing everything about lawyers. It's all lawyers yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's really focused in on that. And now I think he's expanded out. Now he writes about whatever mm-hmm. the heck he wants to write about, but it started out. It was like this very niche audience and he built out from there. Yeah. What's the, um, what's the other side of that? Who's somebody who, who has refuted that, that has inspired you? Um, maybe somebody like somebody like Neil Gaiman, cause hmm. he'll write a book that's one minute straight up horror. Uh, another one that's like a child memoir that's kind of mixes horror and sci-fi and then he'll write a children's book you know Mm. he he just kind of goes and is a person that i think takes in that same idea of i just have this story and i don't really know who it's for but i like it so i'm gonna tell it yeah yeah uh, Coraline is the book that really got me or maybe you pronounce it Coraline. i I don't know how how it's pronounced I've, i've called it Coraline, but that book by neil gaiman just blew me away. And I know it's a kid's book, but I just, man, that story is so, so good. Everything else by him has not hit me. So that's, I think that's the, mm. the win for doing that approach is that you can catch people. And I'll always yeah. just think he's, he's amazing because he, he had that kind of scattershot approach. Another one I was thinking mm-hmm. of, do you listen to Tim Ferriss at all? Um, I have a, a few times, but mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not a regular listener. No, nor am I. And I think actually <laughs> that's that's almost to that point as well, is that every guest on his show is a little different. You're going to always yeah. get kind of the intellectual thing with Tim Ferriss. He really loves a deep intellectual conversation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, from one show to the next, you don't know what you're going to get. And sometimes I start listening. I'm like, this has no value to me. And I think he's admitted that that he does that. So yeah, I'm, I'm trying to just build this like kind of constellation of different approaches. And Ferris seems to be somebody who's been tremendously successful, who has your sort of 
I'm going to do it my way approach. Yeah. Well, and that's the whole thing with my podcast really is if I see somebody that's doing something and I'm like, Hey, that's cool. And it's the kind of thing that I would like on Facebook. I'll just reach out, you know, go one step further and go, Hey, can we talk about why you do this, how you got started doing this and like, you know, how you've built up to however many followers you have, or, you know, what, what made you want to like make these weird, I interviewed a guy from California and, um, he was working as a janitor for a while in a, in a middle school or an elementary school. And he started just making goofy videos, you know, while he was doing the late night shift cleaning. And all of a sudden he started getting some likes on those videos. And today he's got like a hundred thousand uh, followers and he just does Instagram for a job. That's his job is people yeah. send him tons of free stuff and he promotes it. And yeah. Ugh. And there's not really a, there's not really a, a path for that. You just kind of go, this is what I like and you do it. And, uh, you know, sometimes it sticks. We don't really know what's going to work as much as we want to talk about things is that we have yeah. these aha moments. Yeah. So I, with that in mind, here's the question. What are the light bulb moments for you when you don't necessarily have a, a game plan, when you're not going after the 18 year old, uh, guitar player, yeah. who, yada, yada, yada. I do kind of like just as a side gig, uh, some SEO writing, just, you know, basically blogging, you know, for anybody who's like, what is SEO writing? It's blogging, but it's doing it in a structured, methodical way to try to get the most mm. like hits from Google and to try to get, you know, that front page on Google type of stuff. So whenever somebody types in raise key making service, you know, that he's up there first thing in the first five results, whatever. So I've been taking some of the blogging skills that I've been doing that for, uh, I don't know, I guess a couple of years now and promoting my podcast through my website my blog's website or my my website's blog rather okay uh and when i kind of figured out the i don't want to say the right formula but kind of the right formula then i started getting a lot more downloads and you would see you know kind of that big up short down big up short down and so you'd kind of you know write it that way but i would just yeah. put like the 10 most downloaded podcast episodes people click on the title and it's just all my episodes that are the top 10 most downloaded and you know i'll put a picture of the person next to it maybe a link to their thing and people can click and play it right there in the box so if i get mm. 15 people in a day click on that and they all click on one thing that's 150 downloads and then some of those people like it and come back for it that's what i was going to ask so does that does that turn into retention it was like a real slow, slow, slow incline followed by a big hill. And then it would drop down half of what it was before. Then another big hill, half of what that was before. Just kind of slowly, you know, every couple of months you'll see a, a big hit, small drop off, but it's yeah. a little bit higher than it was before. So I, I haven't had any, any big gigantic spikes that were just like, oh my God, look what's happening right here. But, you know, it went from being... Yeah getting as many downloads in one month as I did in a, you know, the first nine months of doing it. So that is really impressive. That's an exciting moment. I do remember the first time that you see something and you're like, Ooh, this is definitely working. Yeah. That's I got really excited moment. the first time somebody uh, downloaded a show from uh, Hawaii. I was like, yes, I'm in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not in South Dakota, but I'm in Hawaii. So let's tie this into the book that you wrote because 
this is a, it's a question for me, honestly. I don't know how to integrate everything together. I know that I am building an audience of people through Twitter. Um, I'm, I'm going to be moving over into TikTok. Oh, oh my gosh, it's scary, but I am going to do it. No, I heard you say something on that on your last podcast too, that somebody like doubled their sales with TikTok or something like that. Yeah, I've got it coming out. I'm just editing it today. And, and she is, I, I was looking at her channel today, just kind of paying attention to what she's doing. That was an excellent cliffhanger, sir. I want to know what happens now. Uh, yeah, you will. You will. I'm putting it out on Monday. Um, <laughs> but it is, it's a, it's a place to go that if we, if I can figure it out, it will have huge results. And that's kind of, that's, it's exciting. But I think the point too is Twitter, TikTok, whatever channel you use, um, how do you turn it all toward sales of your book? Because you've got this kind of captive, captive audience you're building for your podcast. And some of them are into uh, visual art. Some of them are into music. Some of them are into writing. Some of them don't read any books. And that's the part for me. And I think about this too. Honestly, I really do. How do I turn people who come to my show to learn how to write and market into readers of my book? And that's, I think, a big piece of this conversation. Um, Another writer that I had on my show, his name is Joshua Marcella, and he actually formatted my book too. We talked about it on one episode. Some of the advice he gave me was make sure that you have an audiobook on ACX. Make sure that you get on uh, mm-hmm. Kindle with your ebook and get it on you know Kindle exclusive so that people can get it with Kindle Unlimited. Um, but also you know get a get a like I've got the they call it an ASIN ISBN kind of thing. So I've got I'll have one of those for Amazon, but then I'll put the book on uh, BarnesandNoble.com get another one from them i'll also have it on ingram spark and i'll get another one from them um which all gets kind of confusing but then when you go to like a place like goodreads it ties all the editions into one book so it's not that messy um but uh really it's just kind of like splatter make sure that you get them all in the right places um because if you're on barnesandnoble.com then you can call up a barnes noble and say hey will you put this on your shelves and if they see that they've got it in stock they'll go oh yeah sure because they'll They've got their own like print on demand thing, um, similar to uh, KDP, and then Ingram Spark, which I don't know if you're familiar. If you've talked about it before, I have not addressed some of these different platforms where people are publishing yet. That's I haven't gotten there. Yeah, Ingram Spark, like I think their big thing is like if you want to get in a library, you gotta have it on Ingram Spark, and a lot of bookstores will say the same thing too. You know, uh, we buy through Ingram Spark, so um, having just kind of like the right distribution channels. Uh, seems to from what other people say makes a big difference because kindle you can click expanded distribution mm-hmm. but um from what i've heard in all practical purposes that doesn't really help get the book out anywhere yeah. else yeah and it's interesting you mentioned that too i'm i i do want to dive a little bit deeper into that since we talked about it you had mentioned getting on ku but my understanding from everything i've learned is that ku is not compatible with anything else you either ku exclusive or you can do kindle uh, kdp and then you know ingram spark and all that other stuff right that's just for that's just for ebook so the ebook will be exclusive okay. to kindle but then gotcha you know paperback or if you decide to put out a hardcover you can have those on as many different places with however many isbns you want to i guess in theory or i should say too you can buy an isbn um from the i don't know if it's the library of congress but there's a website you can go to buy an ISBN and that way you can unite everything under one ISBN if you're, you know, if that feels important to you, I guess. 
since we're talking about ISBNs, you can batch buy. And I'll again, I'll put it in the, yeah. the, the show notes, but you can batch buy and get way better deals. So if you think you're going to write 100 books in your life, buy 100 ISBNs and they'll cost you a buck a piece versus if you buy five, they'll cost you 20 a piece. So yeah, or just start your own small press, get a couple of your writer friends and be like, hey, man, I got yep, some ISBNs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you're not in the mood to listen to things. And when that's the case, you want to read them. And when you want to read them, there's no better place to go than BookFox. That's www.thejohnfox.com, spelled J-O-H-N-F-O-X, thejohnfox.com. It's a great blog that has articles from how to write a main character with a drug problem to finding the ideal literary agent for your novel, written with crafty wit and wry humor, and sometimes not, but always useful. Check out www.thejohnfox.com. So you wrote your book. Uh, you wrote your book for something that you wanted to read. This is a question I, I see all the time in uh, social media conversations. Yeah, and it's, yeah. one, it's, it's one that I have kind of a, a weird relationship with because I think the first novel I wrote in my MFA was like, it's, it's the most personal novel. It's exactly what I would want to read. It's, it's modeled after David Foster Wallace and all of these really mm. important people that I love so much Yeah, yeah. and unshoppable, unsellable for a no name. It's too long. It's too complex. It's not very plotted. I, it's like, everything is wrong with the book. I wrote a few more books and then I realized I have to think about what readers want to read. And I have to have this kind of agreement with myself that I'll write something that I want people to know in a format that they want to read. Talk to me a little bit about writing switchers and tell me how you viewed that process. And, and when you say you wrote something that you wanted to read, how do you think of that in a more expanded way? Well, I guess with switchers, it started out as a short story that I thought I was going to enter into um, a library contest that goes like through all the libraries in Michigan, uh, the right Michigan contest. And it just kept getting longer. And I was like, wait a second, this, I don't think this is going to fit into the, <laughs> into the, you know, like a 10 page maximum type of story competition. But then as I got longer with it, I thought, you know what, this isn't working. And, um, like you and I were talking about, I, I had been on some YouTube rabbit holes that were talking about time travel and like weird parasitic organisms. <laughs> and then just, I was like, felt like this needs to be in the story. This is more interesting than the, you know, the little path I was, I was going down. So yeah. it was kind of a combination of having these characters and then uh, mixing it in with uh, <laughs> too much time on YouTube, I guess. Um, but uh, as far as the, oh, the second part of your question, well, I don't know. Did, does that enough process stuff or do you want more? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing, I'm hearing your process. I'm also wondering about kind of connecting it to, were you thinking in some way about your reader when you were thinking about writing something mm, you wanted yeah, to write? Um, well, I definitely didn't have a reader. Uh, so I wasn't thinking about, you know, a group of people at the time. I was really just writing it because uh, I had just quit teaching. We had four kids. So financially, I was like, I'll be a stay-at-home dad. And then just kind of wrote the book out of uh, more or less, I always wanted to do this. I wrote a bunch of short stories in college when I was an English major. So let's see if I've got the a full-length novel in me. And, um, yeah, so I just wrote it thinking, let's see if I can do it. And then a couple of people that I asked if they would read it said, Hey, this is, this is pretty good. You should, you know, 
keep working on this, keep going on this. Maybe you could even get this published. So I uh, really wrote it, started it with no intention of, not necessarily no intention, but no expectation that it would be read by lots of people. So I guess that's probably where my mindset came from in terms of like, now who's going to read this? I didn't think about that. I was just thinking like, can I do this? I think I can. Let's try. <laughs> the more that we talk, the more that I learn about you, the more I'm like, we are really uh, opposite people uh, going after <laughs> the same kind of thing. When you wrote the novel, did you plot it out or did you just see what was going to happen? I started plotting it out. I think I'd even bought a book off of uh, the Barnes and Noble uh, discount rec that was called, it was called 90 Days to Your Novel is what it was called. And there was nothing wrong with the book. It was kind of helping me. And it was like, you should do character bio sheets and, you know, things like that. And I was like, all right. So I started <laughs> yeah. trying those. And then I met a um, very chance, chance, strange meeting with uh, a writer named Stephen James, who uh, I had read a series of his books. Um, trying to think what they were actually called. It was The Pawn, The Rook, The Knight, The Bishop, The King, The Queen, all the chess piece games, but I don't know. Okay. What the, <clears throat> oh, The Patrick Bowers Files. That's what it was called. Okay. Um, and I was saying, yeah, I'm working on a book right now and I'm following this way to do it. And he goes, Ooh, can I recommend that you don't do that? <laughs> and he actually wrote a book called story Trump structure. And mm. it's more like just write. And you know, if something doesn't work, you can figure it out or you can edit it or you can rewrite it, but don't mm. think too hard about where the story is going to go. And, um, you know, I think I had answered your question earlier too. How do you surprise yourself in a story? I said, you write yourself into a corner. And he had talked about that. Um, some of the best parts of his stories come from where he goes, well, what the hell am I going to do now? And he had used uh, a metaphor of like, if you're in a room and it's filling up with smoke and all the door handles are hot, what are you going to do? You're either going to sit there and you're going to die in the smoke or you're going to get low. Try to look from a different angle and see where you can get out. And um, I, I, I like that, that metaphor. It helps you kind of like embrace being uncomfortable and seeing where it's going to go. Kind of curious. Do you feel that you are kind of an enigma that you are both things that there are areas in your life where you're very structured and areas where you're pretty free flowing or. I think definitely comes from a mostly free flowing place. Um, Cause like I said before, <laughs> I was a terrible student, barely made it through high school um, and was just kind of la di da with everything, taking it, you know, five seconds at a time. Uh, I was in the military for a little while. And so, you know, that forces a little bit of discipline into you. So I think I have some of that military discipline and structure in me, but overwhelmingly it's the, yeah, let's see, let's just see what happens. And, um, you mentioned earlier, I didn't go after it when you did, but you have four kids and did you, mm -hmm. I mean, do you consider yourself a stay-at-home dad? You use the term. I don't know if you consider yourself that or kind of like yeah. you do. Okay. So yeah. I say I say that I stay at home and work from home. Yeah. Yeah. So if the kids are are like needing something, then you're walking away from the desk and helping the kids do whatever the kids need to do. Yeah, but all the kids are in school all day now. So yes, for um, like two summertime, more weeks, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Summertime comes around and it'll be everything's just gonna slow down is what's going to happen in the summertime. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, during the day, I usually set a couple hours aside for writing. And then I usually do um, some stuff with the podcast, whether it's booking people or editing or um, trying to promote it online or writing blogs about it for, you know, blogs for other people or blogs to 
promote my show or mm. um, book or whatever else. Okay. And if you don't have a blog, I highly recommend it. Yeah, actually, I was literally just about to ask you that question. So the way yeah. the, the reason I've stayed away from a blog is because the statistics they say is there's like a, a billion blogs out there and there's only 200,000 podcasts or maybe less. So I think of this as being kind of like a verbal blog, but you're clearly saying there's something different. So talk about that a little bit. Well, I think and if somebody's got the energy to do YouTube, if you do it well, I think that draws people in. But, you know, like you said, too, if you're active on TikTok or you do reels a lot on Instagram, um, I think more than anything, it's vary your sources and then kind of stick to it, whatever you're going to do. Mm. But uh, I try to put out, you know, at least like two to four blogs a week. Okay. And well, that that includes like anytime I put a podcast out, it just automatically generates one. So, okay, you know, probably like one or two a week. And that just kind of keeps regular engagement. And if I put out a um, a blog now, it says this blog will now be sent out to 900 and wow. something people. And then that's, you know, that's including Facebook and Instagram mm -hmm. and then email followers. But then, or no, I'm sorry, Facebook, Twitter and email followers. Okay. And then I've also got a couple, you know, people on Instagram too when I post there. So, okay. but most of that has been, you know, a lot of that's been built up just through having a regular blog, you get a few followers a month. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that seems to be a, a good way to go. It, it loops back on the conversation that we were having in terms of trying to figure out how to be sticky enough that when people come and find you, there's enough content for them to binge a little bit. And then to be like, I mm -hmm. really like this person and they have a really good insight into X, Y, and Z. Um, so let me ask that question too. This is as free flowing as it could possibly be. I had no idea what we were going to talk about when we started, or I had a general <laughs> idea. So it's fun. But um, because you're doing so many different topics, you've got a blog. Is the blog more structured? Do you talk about the same basic stuff on the blog so that people are like, okay, this is what I go to find on Chris's blog? Yeah, I have kind of a, somebody said, you know, you should have like three to five pillars on a blog of things that people kind of can come there for. I haven't been doing as much writing advice lately, but I was real heavy on that. Okay. So every now and then I'll have a post that'll start, you know, behind the process colon and then whatever the thing is. And awesome. I'll just, you know, talk about some aspect of the writing process. Um, and then stuff with my book, stuff with my podcast. And then every now and then I'll throw in some random stuff. Like I, I did one post about how the Detroit Pistons bad boys team basically wrote the blueprint for how to set up a superstar team with free agency. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, and that, that one gets regular traffic all the time too. I, I, it's, it's the only one that I have that's like that, but you know, yeah, you get, you hit random places and you just collect a few people along the way. There's, there's this huge value in doing that and having a, a, a blog about the Pistons because there are a lot of Pistons fans who happened to be readers as well. And a smaller yeah. number of those people who are readers who happen to read uh, science fiction or fantasy um, and, and you kind of just narrow down. So you might not get a ton of people who are going to buy your book from that, but the reach that you get from it, the uh, expanse is actually really, really helpful. Yeah. And then something that I just actually worked on today is what, what state are you in? Nebraska. Nebraska. Okay. Uh, in Michigan, they have legal uh, recreational and medical marijuana. Mm -hmm. And there's a dispensary in town here. I interviewed the, uh, the owner on my podcast and they're having a, an art sale. The 
a, like a recurring art sale throughout the summer mm-hmm. and uh me and another artist are gonna um me and another artist are gonna uh share a, a tent and i'm gonna sell some books at that so nice i'll be probably the only person everyone else will be selling paintings or glass <laughs> and be i'll be like time travel novels time <laughs> travel novels <laughs> Yeah, that is fantastic. Um, with that in mind, I mean, it is a perfect segue. Uh, talk about talk about your book. I love the concept of it. We talked about it the other day. It's really, really fun. And uh, I, I think it's funny because this whole conversation is predicated on you not necessarily trying to niche. And I feel like the story you wrote doesn't necessarily fit sci-fi. Like, I don't actually want to call it sci-fi, even though it probably technically should be, right? I mean, I mean, it's there's time travel, so... It's, yeah, exactly. if you don't call it sci-fi and there's time travel in it, people are going to be like, what is this? But that yeah. doesn't make sense. Exa- yeah. it, it, it's the same um, time though. It doesn't quite feel like that to me. Yeah. And well, it's the funny thing is most of my writer friends, um, write horror and I read a lot of horror and I think that kind of bleeds into the story in, in spots. Cause I don't try to make the whole thing very like tense and anxious like that. But, uh, I do, I do try to pack it in in small shots here and there. Um, if I had to say I'm anything, it's probably more of like a horror, dark fantasy kind of leaning guy. I like to see what you know the real world looks like, and then maybe just put a little bit of something weird on top of it. So I mean, you've got you've got elements of sci-fi, you've got uh, dark fantasy, sci-fi, but but the book itself is yeah. wild. <laughs> yeah, it's uh well, it's a story about kids that are in 1996 are on the last day of school and they just, you know, air quotes graduated middle school. So, um that's kind of a big stepping stone for a lot of people. They feel like they're kind of more adult at that point. These kids, first day of summer break, they get cornered by some bullies. They have an interaction and you feel like, "Uh-oh, something's going wrong here." But then uh they stumble onto a time travel device and then they find themselves in the middle of a time travel war with people from our near future. And those people are them from the future trying to switch bodies with them so that they can get out of the uh, parasitic apocalyptic future. So they're sacrificing their, literally sacrificing their inner child <laughs> for their own, uh, for their own safety and benefit. Um, yeah, it's a weird book and sounds confusing, but I promise it's not. I don't think it's, I mean, I don't think it sounds confusing. I think it sounds captivating. And I, I need to know how you kind of pull this off because we had talked about before, your version of time travel is very different than the back to the future version of time travel yeah. or really anything else that you have encountered in time travel. Did you see that film Looper by any chance? No, but okay. you're the second or third person that's like, dude, you've got to see that. That and um, <laughs> yeah. That and uh, Looper and uh, is it Prime or Primer? Hmm, I don't know that one. Was another one. It was like a super low budget um, indie science fiction movie that everyone that's I've talked to about it says it's amazing. And I still, for some reason, haven't seen it. Well, I have to put that one on my list. Yeah, I think um, just based on the the little bit that I know of your book at this point, uh, that Looper would be a good one for you to just digest and enjoy. I remember when my agent uh, picked up my book. It was very shortly after we started shopping it. She's like, Hey, have you ever heard of uh Russian doll? And I was like, no. Mm. Have, have you seen it by any chance or know of it? I, yeah, I've seen uh 
well i haven't seen the whole first season of it but i've seen yeah, yeah. i know the premise and everything yeah yeah so that my my novel uh, it paralleled a lot of that and she was actually freaked out she's like oh we might have missed our moment and maybe we did because i haven't sold the novel yet but um yeah i watched that show and i was so jealous i was like you jerks but uh, <laughs> i don't i don't think looper's quite that way but there's there's some resonance there that you'll enjoy so um, okay, we can pre-order your book. That's the really important thing right now. Probably, in my opinion, the most important thing I can do for you is to get everybody who is listening to the podcast right now to go pre-order your book. So tell us, tell us how we can do it. I will obviously link to it in my show notes, but uh, talk about the pre-order process and why it's so important. Well, definitely for writers out there or for readers that are just interested to know, when somebody pre-orders those orders don't actually count until the first day that sales go. So if somebody manages to get a lot of pre-orders, then they can hit hard and shoot up the lists on Amazon. And then from there, they get some momentum and, you know, on and on and on. Um, and my book is available. You can go straight to Amazon and get the ebook, or you can go to ChristopherTalon.com and you can pre-order it there. And I'm going to pretty soon have a pre-order set up for the paperback uh, as well. Perfect. So I will have links to that in the show notes. Uh, and then we want to get people to your podcast, which is creative ops. And I will have a link to that in the show notes. Last but not least, we're going to get them to your social media. And those are, it's the same on all of them. I'm on Instagram, Twitter. What's the other one? Facebook at Talon. Right. Thanks Talon for listening two L's. And remember, you should never feel bad for there as well. The so it has been right. really fun talking to you. Got I enjoyed story, it. Uh, likewise. Yeah, good, good. Email I want to see if we might be able to have you back in a few months after the book has launched to kind of see how that process has gone. We'll do a much more structured conversation at that point. We'll talk about marketing. We'll be like, how has marketing gone for you? But it'll be like, this is an episode style. I recognize Yeah. You can be like, how'd it go, stupid, and do a I told you so episode. No, no, no. I appreciate having you on, man. Yeah. Thank you for having me.